week 11, we're in November. I don't like thinking about it. It's basketball season is going to start. And basically, by the time you listen to this, and of course, Ted Robinson will be calling the games, and Michael Molinari will be producing the games. But until that day, we still go all football. Welcome back, Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure, along with our producer, Michael Molinari. Fellas, we're in November. We're in week 11. I'm a little sad. You're in transition to another sport. I mean, what, what's going on right now? It's it's bonkers. <laughs> it's a, you know, it is a crazy time, and, and, and Yogi and Michael does it too in that November because every attempt they've made through the years, and I've been doing this a long time, uh, to curtail the basketball schedule, you know, try to condense it into a more finite period. Every time this has been tried, somebody bangs a drum and they get loopholes and suddenly ESPN's got 14 made for TV events playing on November the 3rd. And that's kind of, that's kind of where we are. And it frustrates me a little bit because again, we, I know we've talked about this this year, guys, I want November to be a month that means a ton in college football because the regular season is so important. And, uh, and, and that's what you hope doesn't happen. And in certain places in the country, it does. I don't think it happens as much in our conference here because, uh, you know, we just don't have quite the basketball ferocity that we, that you would see in the ACC, for example, the secret of that. Um, and look, we had two huge football games Saturday that uh, where road teams won. And as you, Yogi likes to say, stay on that path. We still have that chance of having two one-loss teams playing in Santa Clara. It's it's nice that in November we're still going to be talking about, like Ted just said, two teams with a chance to make the playoff. And, you know, there's, I think, Yogi mentioned the basketball. I think the basketball season this year, I believe there's going to be a a, a positive coming to the basketball schedule too, so. I'm looking forward to that as well, but uh, it is definitely a transitional transitional time, but a lot of fun in November this year. All right. Well, hopefully it's fun by the time the first CFP ranking comes out as well, because that comes out in less than 24 hours. This is a Monday. It'll be up by Monday night, this podcast. And of course, subscribe, rate, and review. And of course, give us any feedback, thoughts, et cetera. It's been awesome to hear from people along the way from every Pac-12 footprint. And I love it when we share it to our friends outside the Pac-12, just to educate them a little bit. I was frustrated over the weekend. I don't know about you guys. I'm going to get to that later on. But again, we go through four downs um, and then we get to the humanity moment of the week. So down number one will be a major topic really through the rest of the season when you look at Oregon, Utah. Two teams that have one loss, two teams on a path right now to the Pac-12 championship in Northern California in early December, two teams that I think when you look at their schedule will be favored in every game they have, and two teams on a bye this weekend, and two teams that went on the road, as Ted just referenced, and got huge wins. So, Ted, I want to start with you. When you look at these two teams and being around the game for as long as, as you've been around the game, do you feel like these either one of these teams could compete? in the college football playoff, and what was your takeaway from them and their wins over the weekend? Yogi, the answer is a definite yes. Look, I, I, first of all, I'm stunned. I don't know how the Pac-12 schools didn't get Wofford on their schedule this week. Clemson beat them to the punch. <laughs> and, man, I, you know, that, I, I guess you have to give a hat tip to Clemson for doing that. They jumped on that, man. They got that mighty Wofford game on there. And, and look, you, you have Oregon and Utah. The difference to me between the two in the national perception is one game. Oregon played Auburn, and they played them, and they had them beat for 59 minutes change, and they didn't make the last play of the game and ended up losing. If that ends up being the only loss, if that ends up being Oregon's only loss this year, then I don't know how you keep them out of a CFP. I think that would be a shame. And and the unfortunate part for Utah might, and I hope it isn't, guys, but it might be the fact that they didn't have that game. Their non-conference schedule isn't 
going to me- measure up with Oregon's because of the Auburn game or some others, you know, a lot of schools, not Alabama, but a lot of other schools play Georgia plays Notre Dame, for example. Right. Um, you know, a lot of other schools have one marquee non-conference game. Utah doesn't. I hope that doesn't wind up being a, d- a defining factor. I think Utah, if Utah gets to Santa Clara with one loss and Oregon does too, and Utah is able to beat Oregon, I think that that, I think the win over the one loss Oregon team becomes a marquee win for them. And I think that might get them over the hump. Obviously, a lot depends on everything else that happens this month. I think both these teams get to Santa Clara with one loss. I think that that winner has got a, a legitimate shot to make the playoff. Uh, the other thing I would just say about those two games this weekend, both teams were down on the road. You forget what the score uh, from the USC game, but both teams were down to start those games and came back and just, uh, you know, ended up getting done what they needed to get done. Yeah. So here's my, here's one of the many soapboxes I'm going to, I'm going to jump on. I, I, Ted, I feel like this whole month I'm going to join you on Soapbox Central. I'm happy to share mine with you. Go ahead. <laughs> so I look at the CFP and I, I love the CFP in terms of you know, the integrity of the 13 people that are on that committee, right? You, you can't ask for a better group of individuals to come together to be the voice of college football. But what I can ask for, and I think we should ask for, is an element of consistency in terms of even the rules that they have when they rank people. So this ranking means minimal, right? In my opinion, you look at since the selection committee started ranking teams at this point of the season, uh, only one time was it the same as the AP poll um, and never has the first four rankings of the CFP match any of that. So what does that say? That says to me, like, we don't really know what we're going to get. So they're going to evaluate, I hope, the body of work. And that's what they're asked to do. They're not asked to say, what did Clemson do the last few years or last year under Dabo Sweeney? They're not asked to say, what is the history of Alabama? They're asked to evaluate this year. So if you look at Bama, for instance, and look, I get it. It's a, it is a marquee program. Nick Saban is the greatest coach, one might argue, in the country or of our era. The record speaks for itself. Um, but they haven't, and no disrespect to New Mexico State or Southern Miss or some of their non-conference games. I know they have a big one coming up against WCU, who is two and seven right now on their season. Um, they just don't. They they have a they have a much worse schedule than Utah. You know, if we're going to compare those two teams, right? Which which we should right now. And they also only play eight conference games, and their schedule is set up very well in terms of a relative breather, right? By week heading into LSU, WCU heading into the Auburn game. So there's a world to me when they lose and all of a sudden we're talking four best and every talking head is going to say, well, Alabama is still one of the four best. And my, my counterpoint to that is, of course they are if, they, if you give them a month to prepare. They should be that. But in the body work of this season, I think we have to take into consideration who teams play. And that's going to be, to me, the most intriguing part of Tuesday's release. Where are they going to put Bama? Where are they going to put Clemson? Where are they going to put Ohio State? To me, who's looked like the best team in the entire country? Where are they going to put LSU heading into this matchup? Those two teams should be one and two. And then, of course, what happens as teams lose along the way? Penn State, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, is just as I just referenced. And, and to me, I'm really curious about that because there's this narrative. And, uh, for instance, Paul Feinbaum a couple weeks ago, Pac-12 is done. To me, those types of opinions, A, are irresponsible, and B, are inaccurate. 
because of the way that the season naturally just plays out. And that would never be said if Ohio State lost to Wisconsin. Would they be done? No chance would they be done. Same deal based on this LSU-Alabama game. Neither one who loses will be quote-unquote done. So th- that's where I'm, I'm most intrigued about what happens and what the committee does to set a precedent for this season uh, heading heading into their first vote on Tuesday. So I'm just looking, Yo, the only respectable win. Alabama's played eight games. The only respectable, I'm not even saying good, respectable win they have, Texas A&M, who's six and three. Yeah. That's it. I mean, it's it's absurd. And and the 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 eye test, which I hear more and more now, to me is where I get I have a real problem with that phrase because what should matter is what happens on the field. Yeah. And as you said, what happens on the field this year, not last year, not the last five years, this year. And Alabama has proven zero yet. Zero. I, I don't know where they're going to come out of the rankings. If they're higher than four in this week's ranking, I think that's a massive problem. There's no credibility to that because they haven't. Now, if they beat LSU and they beat LSU by two touchdowns next week, hey, hat tip. You've, you've shown us a lot. But until that happens, they haven't. Yeah, Michael, I'm curious, what, what do you net out? Because, you know, I look at this, there's arguments around good wins and great wins. There's arguments around bad losses and comparing against other bad losses. And then there's the argument around best right now versus the best in four weeks. Curious for you in the CFP as somebody who sits in the truck and watches teams play uh, every weekend. And, you, you know, you got a bunch of monitors on, so you got a pulse on what's happening around the country. But where, where do you value good win, good loss, great win, you know, difficult loss because that—that to me is what we have, right? We got a, a, a quote unquote good loss with Oregon, and no quote unquote good loss for Utah because people aren't going to consider SC a good loss, uh, at least where the Trojans are today. Well, I'll say, I'll say first, I'll go to the basketball analogy because basketball has been picking teams for a playoff a lot longer, and one uh, I don't remember the analyst that said it. But it really doesn't matter what the poll says in February. All that matters is who are the best on Selection Sunday. And I think, I think college football always has a lot more debate and discussion because there's less games played. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter until we're all said and done who's in the top four. But that said, I think what Oregon's done the last two weeks, they basically got gut-punched Washington State drove down the field to kick the game-winning field goal. So they had the tight, close game, no margin for error. And then they go down to L.A. and they get down a little bit, and all of a sudden they just turn it on and blow USC away. So I think, to me, Oregon has definitely passed the eye test. Um, I've seen Utah enough to say to me that their defense has passed the eye test. I think their problem, obviously, is they had just a bizarre uh, a bizarre game against USC where everything – Every uh, Hail Mary was answered for USC in that game. And right now, if Utah wins that game, which if they play 10 times, they probably win nine and a half. We're talking about Utah is definitely in right now. So that's kind of of my take right now. But I think I truly, like I said at the beginning, I think if we get two one-loss teams in that championship game of Santa Clara, I think they have as much right as anybody to say they belong. Yeah. So here's my last soapbox on this. I heard, uh, and I got no problem saying people's names because I think you, you got to wear what you say. And over the weekend, I heard Joey Galloway at ESPN say, 
Well, whoever wins that game in the Pac-12 for the Pac-12 to get in, they have to dominate and win convincingly. And I think that is utter BS when you look at how these, te- how these two teams have played. I think you just need a quality, competitive football game. You know, if it's a dud, I get it. But it's not going to be when you look at these teams play. And I think it's going to be if they continue on to the path we think they're on. I think it's going to be dramatically competitive. So I think opinions like that are so in the sandbox and, and just – just unfortunate because it, it's it's setting a narrative around the country. So that's why I think Tuesday is so critical to see kind of what happens and, and what the first opinion is from the CFP. Yeah. Committee. Hey, guys, can I throw this out there? So, yeah. Yoke, does that apply if UCLA dominates Oregon State in the championship game? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think so. Uh, yeah. Well said. All right. So that was our first down, Oregon, Utah. We're going to get to UCLA in our third down. But I, I want to spin it back to the two teams that have – had you know they're on the losing end this weekend you know you we talked last week three losses at home none of us would have saw seen that coming usc none of us could have predicted the injuries that they've had this year specifically at the quarterback position let alone the kid who is the backup quarterback now the starter and keaton slovis a true freshman on undervalued recruit three-star recruit etc 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 what do you guys think about these two teams right now because watching those games back at least for me they played First half, like they let it hang out. Like SC's moving the ball. There's a chance for they're up 21-7 in this ball game. And, you know, turnovers in the red zone, don't convert, over trying, in my opinion, especially the freshman trying to make plays instead of just eating it. What do you guys think about the, those scenarios right now with those two teams? Herm Edwards. Herm mm. Edwards. What did Herm tell us about Jaden Daniels, right? Yeah. It's okay to be a freshman. And I, I thought watching, and we were watching, admittedly, out of the corner of our eye because we were at UCLA doing the game. But Keaton Slovis played like a freshman, and that, that red, uh, just an awful red zone turnover when they were going in to take a two score lead. And it was still the first half, but it would have been a two score lead. Um, and then USC made a miserable mistake kicking the ball off with eight seconds to go. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking on that. You just can't allow a kick return on the last play of the half. But anyway, the, uh, the freshman who looked so, I mean, we were raving. Certainly I was raving when he stepped in against Stanford way back in the second game of the year and played like he was a senior, right? Well, he looked like a freshman. Uh, and to Oregon's credit, they took full advantage. The other one to me, guys, um, the, fl- the flip side is this, is that from the Washington angle, uh, they came out and they smacked Utah physically. And I'm guessing Utah hadn't been hit this year like that. And Washington has the lead. Washington has the lead in the third quarter. And to Utah's credit, this is where I think they take their great pride from this game is they rebounded from that. And they come back and win the game. And it was actually more, um, it was a late Washington score that made the final a little closer. But to me, it was, it was that other side of the coin where Washington really came out and played their game. Utah responds. Credit to Utah. But if you're on the Washington side, guys, don't you think what disappointment because on their home field, they have leads on both Oregon and Utah in the third quarter and they don't win either game. That's it's great for Oregon and Utah, but that's that's really got to stick in Washington. That's the shocker to me is at Husky Stadium, what's been happening this year. And don't forget about Cal, too, um, about nine hours after they started. But uh, it's. Three losses at Husky Stadium, um, pretty amazing. Um, and it, for SC, it's the penalties, Yogi. That's, to me, the undisciplined penalties. And I think that's really got the fan base upset because those are 
those are seemingly correctable errors that are are not being corrected. Yeah, there's a. I mean, we, Michael and I both live here in LA, and it's it's hot right now. It's gonna be interesting to see what happens, right? You know, a lot of rumors about their AD, uh, you know, hiring one. We'll see if that becomes official this week, and it's gonna be fun to kind of watch them compete in the last month of the season. You know, there's still yeah, crazy I, worlds out there. I will just say this, guys, and I don't. Again, I'll, I'm following your path, Yogi. I'll own what I say, and I, I believed this, and I don't enjoy. Believe me, I don't enjoy saying this at all. But there are certain things in in this sport, for example, you can't survive. And I, I felt that way when Oregon had that horrendous night where they gave up 70 on their home field to Washington a couple of years ago. And I remember saying, you know, that's Mark Helfrich is not going to make that. And that's certainly was the vibe in L.A. yesterday. Um, and it, that's a hard one to overcome for a program with pride and expectation, as USC has, to give up 56 on your home field. That's a hard one to overcome. I will say this too, uh, flying back up to my home in the Bay Area yesterday, my flight was at least half green. It was all <laughs> Oregon fans. I couldn't, I, I was, and I was coming in out of Burbank airport, not even out of LAX. And it was incredible Oregon fans, which projects back to our first down CFP, a team that would travel and we know Utah travels as well, but boy, do the Ducks travel. <laughs> and they traveled for this game at USC. Yeah, it was big. I think my, my last note on, you know, really the, this, these two games, right, Oregon-Utah. For Utah, I think it's, that was the best win in the Kyle Whittingham's career. I know that's a strong statement, but I think on the road against the defending champs, it was huge against a team where they just haven't been able to get over that hump. You go back and watch all the games in recent history. There's been something, right? Dante Pettis punt return, Jake Browning late drive, how they use timeouts. I mean, there's some, there's literally like you could do a documentary on Utah and Washington in that matchup of course the last few years. So for Whittingham to get the win was huge. For the Ducks to come into LA, right? We've used the phrase the Cali flock in recruiting, right? It's everybody flying north from California, specifically Southern California. They've done a great job in the last year and a half recruiting. This was a huge game for both of those teams. Like now, does Utah take a step up in recruiting, right? Are they now not only in the homes of some of the best players in this conference, but a finalist? You know, we, we always talk about them developing guys. Are they going to be able to get some guys that come in and play in their first or second year and have a major impact at the skill position, right? It's going to be fun. They got one in uh, Jordan Wilmore last year. You know, arguably beat USC on him. You know, that's what recruiting would say. So for both of these teams, I think major feather in their cap. Recruiting's going to be fun. I mean, guys, we're six weeks away from signing day, which is crazy when you think about, uh, you know, how fast college football season is going. So uh, a lot of interest, you know, a lot of intrigue. Those are the four, four of the biggest brands in the country, let alone in this conference. And it was fun to watch them compete. Um, and it's also been fun to watch. We've had UCLA the last two weeks. Oregon State, they beat Arizona. There's a world where they, Ted, your favorite phrase, with a little help, they win. They have a little bit of control <laughs> over what happens. I mean, think about this. We're dedicating a whole down to UCLA and Oregon State and a potential title in their division. Well, guys, here's – I mean, walking out of the Rose Bowl Saturday night, Josh Lewin, my friend who does UCLA uh, radio, he said this on the air. He goes, if the Bruins win out, they play in the championship game. Okay, <laughs> So, so just, just, just process that for a minute. <laughs> and when we walked out of the Rose Bowl after week two, all three of us, right, we were there for UCLA and San Diego State, one would we have thought that 
the school in Los Angeles that would be playing or would have that opportunity to play in the championship game would be UCLA. And that the coach who would be riding high in November in Los Angeles was Chip Kelly, right? Not a shot we would have thought that. No chance. Zero, Zero chance in that one. Um, and, and I think even Oregon State, you know, remember the, you know, their first couple games of the season, right? They come out, fighters chance against Oklahoma State in the first half. Hawaii, they light them up in the first half, can't do anything in the second half. Cal Poly, you know, they, they run through them, which, which they should. And then they've just kind of slowly built this confidence around this team. And even, Michael, their defense, we were talking offline before this call, their defense has, has kind of been impressive in terms of getting after quarterbacks, getting in the backfield and making plays. What's your takeaway from that side of the ball? Hamaka Rashid is the real deal. He's probably the most underrated linebacker in this conference. You know, I'd like to see in the Roth report maybe this week, let's rank the linebackers. I'd like to know where you have Rashid. I know who's number one. Wait, but can uh, I see that movie on Netflix? Is that on Netflix? The Roth Report. The Roth Report. I think <laughs> is that so. a Netflix special? I thought so. Yeah. Okay. I would. I would like Peter to queue up the Week Five pod where Molinari jumps on the Beaver bandwagon after the Stanford game, and uh, I'm not surprised. I, I honestly, I really thought they had something going. I am surprised a little bit by their defense, um, but the offense doesn't surprise me at all. And uh, I just think they that Jonathan Smith. As you talk, well, everyone uses the phrase "players coach." Jonathan Smith is the players coach who's got them believing and got those guys playing for him and for themselves, and it's it's really great to see. Yeah. And my and Yogi, this is where we have to defer because we haven't seen the Beavs live this year. Molinari's the guy who's been there. Totally. Yeah, well, we we may be headed to Corvallis. We'll see. It's a six day pick now, so we won't know till Monday if we're headed to, to Corvallis for our next game, but. Uh, I hope so. Corvallis in November, Ted. Come on. Well, we we you know we and we always enjoy having our major production meeting and the beautifully catered meal at China D. That's yes. always a fa- it's no a spectacular part of a Corvallis trip. And Corvallis in November is great. I mean, it's fall weather. It's football. You know, we've been there for we. I think we did the Civil War one year, didn't we? In yes. Corvallis a few That's years their back. Last their last home win in conference yeah. play, the Civil War mm-hmm. a couple years right. back. Wow. So, yeah. So we need to, Yogi, we need to get there. Molinari, make it happen. I love that. So here's my last thought on these two teams. Yeah. And I think this is big because in college football, you've heard me say it a lot. I think a lot of quarterbacks play catch. They don't play quarterback. And that's fair. Like if you were like, hey, you're a head coach tomorrow at uh, not a blue blood, but, at, you know, a school that's 20 to 40, you know, generally speaking in college football, I'd be like, let's spread them out throw the ball over the yard and just get first downs, easy completions, find green grass, right? The general offense that occurs now in every high school for the most part and majority of colleges. I think Chip Kelly and Jonathan Smith and got to give Justin Fry, right? He's got the OC label at UCLA. Um, You've got to give their offense coordinator, Oregon State, a a ton of credit. Uh, He's done a nice job, obviously came from Colorado and then made his way uh, to Oregon State, Brian Lindgren. They scheme up teams. You know, they're scheming up completions. They're scheming up first downs. It's not like it's bubble screens all day long. It's not RPOs all day long. And, and I just think that's, that's really impressive. And to me, that's an offense that it doesn't always click day one, right? You have to just stay with it. And these teams have, you know. Yes, we haven't at Oregon State this year, but we were there for training camp talking to Jonathan. Um, and he talked about just the reps that this team needed. Chip Kelly uses the phrase at bats that Dorian Thompson Robinson and now this offensive line. That was their fifth straight game 
starting together that we had over the weekend. Five, and we're in week 11, right? So I just think that these teams, they're finding their rhythm, and they're making it hard. Like, they're not going to just get dominated because teams just are better than personnel-wise. Like, you have to play sound against both of these teams, or they're going to scheme up opportunities to make plays. So just a, just a, just some love to them offensively in terms yeah. of how they've done it. So, Yogi, Yogi, that transitions into a great point because we talk about Oregon State and where they are right now. Now, they've got – a major test because they have the last uh, the last uh, Friday night game of this season for the conference is this Friday. They have UW. They've got a shot to get to six, and we understand at least half a Division One plays in a bowl game, so it's not the 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 you know badge of honor that it was in my youth at least. The butt becomes for a program like Oregon State, right? If they get to six and get to play an extra game and get the extra practices in December that every coach loves, that would be huge, wouldn't it? If they can get Two more wins and get a bowl game? Man, it would be massive for just the juice. You know, like I'm, I'm kind of looking back through uh, schedules right now to be like, when was the last time Oregon State went to a bowl game? Right? I mean, it's, it's been a minute. You know, the Alamo Bowl in 2012. You, know, you kind of look back, 2013, they played in the Hawaii Bowl, but I don't think they've been in one since then. So, yeah, man, it would be huge for recruiting early on, obviously, and then to your point of the repetitions, and even getting a guy like Tristan Jebbia, you know, the projected starting quarterback next year, some reps, and it, it'll be fun. So you, if you look at kind of the teams and who they have, where they have them, the Beavs, right, they got a Friday night game against Washington. You know, we all know this. It is, it's a hard place to play to me on a Friday night, and here comes Stanford, and it's going to be sleepy. You know, obviously Stanford coming off a bye, so they should be at their best. They should be sharp. They should be prepared. But two years ago, they almost lost there. I think it was it was either a Thursday or Friday night when Bryce Love limps in and basically carries the team. So, or excuse me, that's, that's Stanford. So, yeah, well, UW coming in now. Arizona State, Washington State, Oregon. So UW coming off of a difficult loss. And that's four games, you know, four opportunities. I could see them – I could see them – I can see them winning, too. I don't think it's going to be the easiest thing, but it'd be fun to see if they can get that done. Yeah. I mean, for for that program, you know, we saw Colorado again Saturday night. They're scuffling right now. It's it's tough place to be. They're likely not going to get to six. They've only been to one bowl game in what? How many years? 15 years or something. So for that kind of program, I don't know if Arizona can pull itself together. They're clearly having tremendous struggles on defense. Those are the programs that the six win line means something for isn't it yeah i'd say I, i'd say for ucla too i, I yeah, think that's right that's Michael. a big that's a stepping stone for them in the chip kelly era for sure yeah and i, I think huge. they're gonna get there oh okay so utah well, they need to win cal. they need to win one of the two on the road because you know they'll have cal at home but they've got to win a roadie don't they wow okay all right so uh it's gonna be fun we got a lot going on in this conference the bowl games or bowl potential is up in the air. I look at a team like this weekend, we have Cal Washington State. Washington State, they got to win too, right? And you look at their schedule, it's not like any of them are locks, right? This Cal defense has had the air raids number the last couple of years, even though they've kind of split in those games. Stanford, there's a world where they're just getting better and better. So we'll see if happens if they can put points on the board. Oregon State, we just talked about, that game will mean a ton. And then the, the finale against UW, who I don't believe Mike Leach has been able to win the Apple Cup yet. So what do you, what do you think about this game, fellas, that we have this week with two teams that you know are trying to potentially get to the postseason? Yeah. 
And, and at least to, to me, I always, because you guys know me enough to know now, I'm a contrarian. So I look at the other matchup. I say, can Cal get something going on offense? And we don't know if it's going to be the freshman quarterback or I uh, don't know yet. But, uh, you know, that's a struggle against a Washington State team that hasn't been good on defense this year. Can Cal get something going on offense? Because as you said, Justin Wilcox with a bye week uh, is going to have something. They'll have something ready with Tim DeRuiter on defense to at least slow air rate, but that won't have a great impact if they can't score, right? So can can Cal do something on offense? And we haven't seen the Bears live yet either, so I'm interested to see if it is the freshman. You you probably – was he an Elite 11 guy, Yogi, the quarterback? He was not. No, he didn't he make not. it to the okay. finals. Yeah. Okay. So I don't, I've never seen him. I don't know much about him. I'm fascinated to see if he's indeed the player. Is this a guy uh, – you know, because Garbers will be back uh, – Although, sadly, Garber's played five games this year. He got hurt in the fifth game, so he can't get this year back. He will be back, but does Brash give them another quarterback? Does he give Justin some competition, potentially? Man, I hope so. All right. I've been looking forward to this one. We had There's been so many great moments all year long in college football. And, Michael, I can't wait. At the end of the year, there's going to be a special podcast dedicated. It's just going to be a rip of all your humanity moments of the week. So that being Build said. Build the pressure. Build yeah. the pressure, Yogi. Yeah, you got to bring it. What do you got this week? Oh, by the way, if when you say BS, does that make uh, our podcast explicit? I want I had a note on that. As long as you say BS. No, no, we're good. Yeah, we're OK. Quiet. We're good. I just yeah. want to make sure. Um, all right. Um, well, this is an easy one because uh, Ethan Vernia was a great story from the week prior at Arizona State. So we decided, hey, let's, uh, you know, let's tell the people who don't know, because a lot of people do know, but. He wears number 36 in honor of Nick Pasquale, who tragically passed away in 2013 in an accident. And uh, uh, from the Jim Mora era, they wanted to honor that that walk on player who really, uh, you know, is a, a fascinating and important teammate. And Pasquale was a great teammate. So this uh, in training camp, Fernia was honored with his number 36. Pasquale's family was there and it was quite an honor. And then a couple of days, a couple of days later, he was given a scholarship. So we wanted to tell people about that moment. So we, we had a chance. We sat down with him uh, on Friday, which was fantastic, getting an inside look at his life and his journey. And so we had that all scheduled to go. And then lo and behold, uh, you know, a, a touchdown pass. Guy lays out and it's Fernia with the catch. And it's like, this is amazing. Now we get to, you know, we're going to show this. And Lewis Johnson is ready to go with our beyond the hash marks to tell that whole story. And it was, it was great. And it was, the timing was perfect. It was really, uh, it was really nice TV and things work out sometimes. But the two things that I wanted to bring up in this, uh, in this moment were when we spoke to Dorian Thompson Robinson after we spoke with Fernia. And a lot of times you hear this guy's a great teammate, wonderful kid, great story. But you know what I knew it was all true is when I asked DTR, I just said the word Ethan and his, you were there, Yogi, his eyes lit up the smile on his face. And you knew it was all true that the love that DTR has for this guy and the rest of the teammates do is great to see. And then the other thing I wanted to bring up is what Ethan told us. He's in his uh, last year of eligibility, but he wants to play another year. And he played one play a couple years back, which is preventing him from getting that year. And he's going to petition the NCAA and, the NCAA lately has had a trickle of good decisions. So I'm hoping that common sense prevails, and I want to get, get the bandwagon started right now. Ethan Fernia, 
deserves another year at UCLA to do the great things, to continue what he's been doing and do the great things that he's been doing this year. So NCAA, if you're listening, Ethan Fernia, one more year. I'm sorry, I'm just picking myself up off the floor. You said good decisions? Wow. Trickle, trickle, Ted. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, that, and, and look, that's, that's great job, Michael. Well said. And, and the other thing I'll just, if I can punctuate, give a little humanity tip of the hat to Chip Kelly. He called the play, right? You think, do you think Colorado was prepared for Ethan Fernier running a go-round on him? <laughs> and, and Chip Kelly calls the play and gives, you know, Fernier a shot and DTR puts the perfect ball in there. And, and, and that's the other thing we've seen. Like, we, we've seen back-to-back weeks, guys, how well Thompson Robinson's playing now. Um, later into his second year, and a guy that, as you said, uh, Yogi hasn't played a lot of quarterback. But anyway, to me, Chip Kelly gets a little bit of a tip, too, because he recognized that moment and gave, you know, gave the opportunity for a ball to go deep to Ethan Fernia. Yeah, you know, there's, there's times in games and uh... – you know, I've been doing this about, I think it's year 11. But you learn early on as a broadcaster that, like, when there's great moments, just shut your mouth. And to, to listen to you, Ted, call it, and then to hear Lewis, you know, tell his story, as, as Michael referenced, I had the chills for about two and a half minutes. Just because the journey of a walk-on, as he so eloquently described, sitting down with us on Friday, um, it was spot on. You know, I, I lived it. You, know, you come in and you know you're not going to get reps. And then you get one, and you fight your tail off to get two, and then you get three, and then you get trusted, and maybe you get ten, and you get on special teams, and then you just hang with it. And what I loved about what he told us on Friday was when training camp ended, he was like, man, I didn't get a scholarship. Because, you know, walk-ons, you kind of have these ten-pole moments where history would say this is when someone gets offered a scholarship. And when you don't have it, and there's anticipation after practice when camp ends, like, all right, today's the day. One of us is going to get it. And he said he didn't get it, and he was, he was bummed. And he called his dad, and he said, hey, I don't think it worked out. And his dad said, hey, don't worry about it. You, you're playing. You're competing. And he said it was just, I think it was two or three days later where Chip announced it in front of the team that he got it. And I can remember that day and the phone call to my dad. He told us about the call to his dad. And I just loved watching it, you know, and, and to Chip to call it, to Dorian to throw it, and to see that sideline erupt, you would have thought that they just won the Pac-12 South Championship was, uh, was special. And I thought that it was as covered – you know, for, for a guy who sat in the shoes, Michael, I thought that what you did and how you guided that moment was like everything a walk-on could dream of. And I hope that uh, he gets that clip from UCLA and just saves it, you know, 20 years from now to, to be able to replay it to his family or whatever it is. Can I, I just, you know, can, wait a minute, Michael, let's, let's be clear. <laughs> this, this isn't really Michael. Scott Barkey, our director, was <laughs> yes. all over that. Team okay, effort. let's make sure. Way to go, Scott. <laughs> Team effort as always. Uh, one more year, NCAA. One more year. Yeah. One play. Come on. And, and Yogi, the other part, you, you touched on in your, your story as well. When you watch enough football, as I've now had the chance to do, Michael's had the chance to do, you gain such an appreciation for special teams and how important it is. And it's, it's an, in the pros, it is, it's an extraordinary profession. It is a profession into, unto itself. It's just special teams. But in college, how it can be the gateway. And it was for you. And Ethan Fernia said the same thing, right? That was his gateway was to get on and prove himself by playing teams. Yeah. Yeah. There's a word, you know, you often hear, you know, we're on these campuses all the time. And if we talk to like the backup at any position who's a scholarship player, the majority of them would say they're getting hosed, man, I should be playing more. And I just don't believe that ever is true because coaches play people they trust. And that's why you see walk-ons playing 
right? We're going to see it in our game this weekend. Look at Cal on their offensive line. They're playing some walk-ons. You, know, you, you have to just play guys you trust when your job is on the line and a game is on the line. And for quarterbacks, they're going to throw it to guys they trust. And you could look at the UCLA receiving core, and there's a lot of better-looking wideouts, guys that even have better, you know, everything about them in terms of how they run routes, their ceiling, their size, their skill set, their wingspan, their catch radius. But this guy is trustworthy. And that's who you bet on. And, and I, it, it was just so cool to see that guy run a go route. It wasn't like a hitch. You know, it was like, hey, me versus you, throw it up, house call, in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> he grew up watching his first football game, I think he was five, was watching USC Texas. He grew up in Texas, Dripping Springs, to be specific. And it's he dreamt about playing there. And he caught it in the end zone. Come on, man. It was awesome. Hey, one other, one other thing. This doesn't happen. We're not talking about this without... Steve, Shanna, and Andrew, the UCLA Sports Information staff, getting us access. So for anyone listening who works on sports information staff schools, we tell that we can tell these stories because we're given the access. So we can't thank them enough. Amen. All right. Well, I can't thank you guys enough. Week 11 of this podcast in the books. Hard to believe, huh? Yogi and Michael, bring your jackets up here. It's Berkeley. Saturday night, it's going to get a little cool. Lewis Johnson was not thrilled when I told him that. <laughs> Lewis is a warm weather dude, man. I said, Lewis, bring, bring some lined clothing. Because now with our fallback time, it's going to get a little chilly second half at Berkeley. On Hey, it's Palouse weather, so the Cougs will be fine. Uh, but you Southern California dudes, be prepared, all right? I love Get in the coat out right now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, cool, guys. Well, this has been awesome. I'm sure we all will be re-watching HBO Special in Washington State. You're enough for our game on the Pac-12 Networks. Check it out this weekend. If you're looking for some good football, we'll be all over it. Cal Bears, Washington State. It's going to be a fun one. A lot at stake. Two teams trying to get to the postseason. Should be fun with two teams coming off a of bye. And then this conference. I think it's going to be as interesting as any conference in any part of the country over the course of the last month of the season. We'll have you covered right here every week. Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure with our producer, Michael Molinari. Share, rate, review, subscribe. Tell us how to get better. We love getting feedback. We appreciate it. Back to the film study, fellas. Let's get ready for our game this weekend. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.